Uh, I was out working out in Wilmer, Minnesota, my hometown, and Wilmer is similar to Forest Lake. It was similar to Forest Lake back then and probably similar to Forest Lake today, meaning uh, Wilmer's got a couple of lakes around it, and it's near a bunch of lakes, and it, you know, it, uh, where the difference maybe is that Wilmer's way out in west central Minnesota. Anyways, I was in my mid-twenties, I was working, and I came to this realization that as a single man in Wilmer, there wasn't too many pickings for me to pick from to go on dates. So I had a conversation with God and said, God, you're probably going to have to ship somebody in. Thankfully, the Lord heard my cries, and he shipped Terry in from Florida. Go figure. That, that's a whole other story that you can hear from us a, another time about, about how Terry got all the way from Florida up to Wilmer, which at that point she thought was, you know, igloos and polar bears and, you know, that kind of stuff. Minnesota, you know? Um, so the short story is, you know, we uh, eventually, I got around to asking her out. It took me a little while, but, you know, that's a whole other story too. There's so many pieces to our story that we, I just don't have time to tell them all right now. But our dating was a little different than dating is today. And because part of that was because Terry was traveling in a singing group called Carpenter's Tools International. So she was traveling around the United States and to different parts of the world. So our dating consisted of we'd be together for two weeks and we'd be apart for three months, together for another couple of weeks, apart like three months, you know, that, that kind of rhythm. And, of course, there, there was no cell phone, there was no texting, there's no social media, there's no FaceTime, there's none of that. I know for you youngins in here, you're going, what? How did you do it? Um, we wrote letters. Right? What's a letter? Now, the tricky part is I had to, if I was going to write a letter to her, she was hopping from one church to another. I had to look at our, her itinerary and figure out, okay, so I'm going to send this out about five days in advance. It should get out there in time. And I, I did hit it on a pretty good regular routine, got on time. Uh, phone calls, uh, we would have to f- try to figure out how to schedule a phone call because she would arrive at a church, and they had to, of course, set up and get ready for their concert and all that kind of stuff. So we had to, and that was all being communicated via letter that we're trying to time out and that type of stuff. And, you know, there, there would be, you know, stuff where she would call collect. Remember calling collect? Yeah. And of course, I would refuse the call, and then I would call back, because then I knew she was available and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I, I tell you all of this because uh, I, I wanted to have a relationship with Terry, and I did just about anything to try and establish this relationship. Even go out and spend a few days with her somewhere on this tour, where, wherever she may be. And as I was thinking about our conversation this morning, and I was thinking about just this whole idea of being with Jesus, and what we started in the conversation yesterday of loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength, I got thinking about relationships with other people. And sometimes um, in relationships, maybe in a 
relationship between, you know, a dating relationship or even a marriage relationship, sometimes we're looking for the quick fix or we're looking for that one secret thing that's going to make this a dynamic relationship when in reality there is no quick fix to relationships. Mike Tomlin, who's the head football coach for the Pittsburgh Steelers, has this saying, he says, the secret is there's no secret. And that's what it goes for relationships. The secret to a successful marriage is there is no secret. You just have to do it. You have to be intentional about being with your partner, being in relationship with your partner. So back then when we were dating, it it was this hit and miss trying to figure out how we connected and talk. And early on in our marriage, there got to be a point where we were so busy, we weren't spending time together. And so we got into trouble. We went through a really, really rough patch. And you've heard us talk about some of that. Today, for Terry and I, it's really as simple as we get up, we have our coffee and I do my quiet time, she does hers, and then we spend a few minutes together talking about our day, our week, and praying for each other. Now, we, you know, we're like most of you in this room, you're empty nesters, uh, we have time for that. Those of you who are parents of little kids, you're probably going, yeah, like, that's going to ever happen because we got little ones running around. And, and that's okay. You, what you do is you figure out how it's going to work for your relationships The key is is that a relationship is developed by being intentional in coming together and being with each other. The same is true for our relationship with God. I think sometimes when we think about our relationship with God, we're looking for that quick fix. You know, if we go to that one conference, maybe that one conference will do it. Or maybe there's that one church that's all the rage, and maybe that will be, if I get to that, or a certain style of worship, or a certain speaker, or whatever it may be, we're, we're always looking for that fix. We're looking for that secret sauce, so to speak, in our relationship with God. And as Tomlin says, there is no secret. It's what you do on the day-to-day. It's... How are you, in the moment by moment, day to day, be connected to God? Last week, we looked at the Shema. Oh, hear, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. And we talked about what that looks like to love God with every part of our being. And the Hebrew word here for love, havab, is more than just a, a romantic love or I love pizza. It's, it's a love that talks about loyalty and allegiance. And that's why the beginning of the Shema is here, O Israel, the Lord is one, the Lord our God is one. Love the Lord your God with every part of your being because allegiance goes to the one God. And so when you love God with all your being, there is no other allegiance. Now you can have some other loves, absolutely, but those loves are in submission to 
the love that you have for the Lord your God. So I absolutely love Terry with every part of my being. But my love for Terry is second place to my love for God. We've talked off and on over the last couple of years about being a disciple and what it looks like to be a disciple. We even did a series last year on it, and there's a phrase that John Mark Homer has uh, developed. He's taken some stuff from Dallas Willard, and he put this phrase together, and this is what a disciple of Jesus is. It is one who be with Jesus, be like Jesus, and do what he does. That's what a disciple is. You, you be with Jesus. And in the process of being with Jesus, you become like Jesus. In the process of being, becoming like Jesus, you begin to do what he does. And this is what, for the first century Jewish person who thinks of a rabbi and a disciple, this is what they think about. Being with Jesus or being with their rabbi. They went and moved and were a part of their rabbi's life. In fact, there was a, there's a blessing that is often shared with a student who is beginning a relationship with a rabbi. And that blessing is, and you've heard me say this before, may you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. The picture is that you are so close to your rabbi that as your rabbi is walking and the dust is kicking up off the dirt road as he's walking, it covers you. That's pretty close. It's a picture of what it means to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And so today we're going to talk about being with Jesus. And to start, we need to start with the question, why be with Jesus? I mean, if you don't know the why, the, really, the how doesn't matter as much, right? Because you, you may do the how for a little bit, but if, if you don't know the why and you don't believe in the why, then the how is eventually going to fade away. So today we're going to start by looking at the why, so I, got a, I jotted down a number of whys on why we want to be with Jesus. The first why is this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us, Paul says in Romans 5, verses 6 and 8. You see, just at the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. That was us. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Why be with Jesus? Because he died for you. Before you were worthy of his death, he died for you. No matter what you've done in the past, no matter what you're doing right now, God loves you so much. Before you had any capacity to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, God was already loving you. So be with Jesus. The second reason why we should be with Jesus is because Jesus is the King of Kings. Uh, Ephesians 1 talks about this, verses 19 through 23, and this is the 
back end part of the benediction I do most Sundays here, and it continues uh, on with a little bit more, but Ephesians 1, 19 through 23 says this, that you may know his incredibly great power for us who believe, that power is the same as the mighty strength that was exerted when God, when he was raised, when God raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. The right hand, place of power and authority. And he placed them there far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. God took Jesus, raised him from the dead, when he ascended, put him at his right hand. Now, he's far above all rule and authority. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And God placed all things under his feet in submission and appointed Jesus to be head over everything, hear this, for the church, which is the body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Do, do you get that picture? I mean, we understand that Jesus is the head of the church. We get that. But do you realize that he's the head of all things? God put him in that place, head of all things, for us. His body. We are the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. That's why we should be with Jesus. Because he's the king of kings and he's the Lord of lords. Why should we be with Jesus? We are to obey his commands. We see this in the Gospel of John as Jesus is talking to his disciples. Jesus says this, Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. Did you get that? Whoever keeps my commands, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to them. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and and we will come to them and make our home with them. Being a follower of Jesus means obedience to the Father. It means surrendering our lives to Jesus, not, not just so I can get to heaven, but it's surrendering my life to Jesus so I can be in right relationship with Him. And when we obey His commands, again, we, we will be loved by Him. And the Father will come and make our his home with us. Do you get that? If I'm obedient, the Father will come and make his home with me. So why be with Jesus? Because we need to know what Jesus' commands are. We need to understand that. Also, we need to be with Jesus because we are to love God and love others. And we, we, this is the greatest command, and we've already talked about loving God, the Shema, with every part of our being. But we're also to love others, the second command. And this isn't just loving the people we like. It's loving our enemies. It's loving those who persecute us. 
And the only way we really can do that is by being with Jesus, by understanding His kind of love. We need to be with Jesus so that we can love like Jesus. Why else should we be with Jesus? Because we are to make disciples. This is the Great Commission. We've all heard this, Matthew 28. Then Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. We have a job. It's to make disciples, and not disciples of us. We need to make disciples of Jesus, and if I'm going to make a disciple of Jesus, I need to know Jesus. I need to have the dust of the rabbi on me. We need to be with Jesus so that the people we are mentoring, the people we are building into, don't end up like us, but they end up like Jesus. Another reason why we need to be with Jesus, we are to be ministers of reconciliation. To reconcile someone is to restore someone into a right relationship with us. Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He's telling the church in Corinth, he says, Therefore, if anyone's in, in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Whew. So God reconciled me and you to himself through Jesus Christ, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And now he's saying, hey, church, go do the ministry of reconciliation. What I did for you Go and reconcile people to God through Jesus. Bring them to Jesus. Introduce them to Jesus. Another reason why we are to be with Jesus is that we are God's handiwork created to do good works. Ephesians 2.10, Paul says... For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So, church, God has some work that he's prepared for us to do. He prepared that stuff a long time ago for crossroads to do. We, us, this body is God's workmanship. God put us together here in Christ Jesus so that we could walk in and do the works that He has done for us. So if we're going to walk in these good works, we need to walk with Jesus. We need to be with Jesus. And the last thing for today is we are to bear much fruit. In the Gospel of John, Jesus uses the metaphor of the vine and the branch to illustrate what it means to be with Jesus. In verses 4 and 5, he says this, Remain in me, 
Abide in me, whatever your translation may say, as I also remain in you. No branch, that's us, can bear fruit by itself. We must remain in the vine, that's Jesus. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. This is Jesus talking. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do Nothing. This is why we need to be with Jesus. The work that He's called us to do individually and as a body, we can't do. Jesus tells us right here in John 15, we can't do it unless we abide, unless we are with Jesus, and there's a bonus here that comes a couple verses later because the bonus is Jesus says, hey, if you abide, if you remain, if you are with me, you can ask whatever you want. Why? Because it's to the Father's glory that we bear much fruit. You see, when I abide in Christ, when I'm with Jesus on the daily basis, what's going to happen? I'm going to ask Kingdom stuff. It's going to impact my requests. And so we need to be with Jesus so that we can bear much fruit for His glory. There's so many more things I could go on and on and on about all the reasons why. And I'm sure if we opened it up, you'd all have some things running through your brain. But the point is, church, we have a job to do. Jesus' death and resurrection and ascension and sitting at the right hand of God is not just so I get a free ticket into heaven. It is so much more. So much more. And so we, together, need to be with Jesus. Ephesians 2, 8-10 through 10 says this, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. We know it. Our salvation is a gift. We can't work to get it. And here's that verse again. For we are workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That's the why right there in two verses. So now that we answered that question, the next question is the how. Thankfully, I'm not going to do the same thing this morning. But I'm going to remind us that the how is just like any other relationship. And the secret to the how is there is no secret. How do we be with Jesus? It's very simple. Most of you probably know the answer already. It's spiritual practices. 
or spiritual disciplines. It means reading your Bible. You want to know what Jesus is like? Read the Bible. Get in those Gospels. You'll find out all you need to know about Jesus. Pray. It's another spiritual practice. We need to pray. And let's remember, pray, prayer is not just a one-way thing where I'm listing off my, my list. It's also, and this is the harder part, learning to listen to what the Holy Spirit has to say to you. The Holy Spirit is speaking to you. The Holy Spirit is probably speaking to you right now. Probably has been speaking to you all morning long in this worship service. Are you listening? That's a spiritual practice. Silence and solitude. Fasting. Generosity. Resting or a Sabbath. And there's more spiritual practices. The reason why we do these things is so that we be with Jesus. In Acts 2, 42 through 47, we see that the early church devoted themselves to God's Word. They devoted themselves to fellowship, to prayer, to breaking of bread, to generosity. They had everything in common. They got it. They understood it. They needed to be with Jesus. So in conclusion today, being with Jesus is really about spiritual practices. Next week, we're going to talk about being like Jesus. And you know what being like Jesus is kind of about? It's about the fruit of the Spirit. If I'm like Jesus, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, all that stuff will be a part of who I am. And then the week after that, we're going to talk about do what Jesus does. And doing what Jesus does is really the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's all the gifts of the Spirit. It's, it's, it's prophecy, it's healing, it's administration, it's mercy, it's generosity. So to be with Jesus spiritual practices, helps us to become like Jesus, fruit of the Spirit, which helps us as we do what He does, gifts of the Spirit. This morning, Eric is going to lead us in uh, one of the songs that we did during worship. And as he's singing and playing the song, I want you just to sit there and... I want you to have a conversation with your father. What way, ask your father this, what way do I become, do I, am I able to be 
with Jesus more this week? What is one practice that you want me to do this week? Just listen. Whatever comes to your mind, just jot yourself a note. And then we'll pray. Some of you may be wondering, so how? Uh, how do you do spiritual practices? Well, uh, you're in luck. Um, this fall, our small group curriculum is, is a curriculum called Rooted, and it's all about developing a regular rhythm of spiritual practices so that we can be with Jesus. And you're going to find out more about that over the next couple of weeks. 
and I want to encourage you to begin to prayerfully consider being a part of that small group this fall so that we together can be with Jesus. Let's stand for the benediction. If you would like, you can hold your hands out in a hand of and a posture of reception as we um, share in the benediction today. And now I pray that the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. And I pray that he would enlighten the eyes of your heart so that you may know the hope that he's called you to, that you may know the glorious inheritance that you have with all the saints and that you may know his incredibly great power, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead and seated him at the right hand of God the Father, far above all rule and all authority, all dominion for the church. And all God's people said, go in peace.